You know, for the most part, patriotism comes easily and naturally to us. We say the Pledge of Allegiance with conviction. We sing songs like God Bless America and America the Beautiful and and the National Anthem with a great deal of conviction. But it takes more than patriotism to be a good citizen. It does. You know, this past week, our country has, for the most part, been galvanized and uplifting a great American hero in, in Senator John McCain. You know, for all week, I mean, my goodness, we've been barraged with stories and, and uh, testimonies and services that have, have uplifted John McCain's life and his duty to country, his service. Millions of us, I guess, have had our hearts stirred, and I guess to some degree that's why I'm preaching what I'm preaching today. And, and there's no question whether you, uh, you know, I think that nobody agreed with John McCain politically all the time, did they? <laughs> nobody. His own party didn't, the Democrats didn't, the independents, uh, you, know, you know, he was just his own guy. He did what he felt like was right at the time, and I don't know, I I like that a lot. There's no one who would say that John McCain didn't love his country, right? Now, I hope we would also say that George W. Bush and Barack Obama, they loved their country too. And Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump, they loved their country too. And I would imagine without any doubt that Kim Jong-un, he, and Hugo Chavez, they love their countries too. And Vladimir Putin and Xi Jinping, they, they love their countries too, Russia and China. Now these political leaders all love their countries. I'm convinced of it, I hope you are. But some love their country more helpfully and more healthfully than others. Love of country is good or it's less than good depending on the things that we also love. Now I think that this is exactly what Jesus meant when he talked um, his own brand of patriotism, which was about the kingdom of God. You know, whereas in the Old Testament you have a lot of talk about the nation of Israel, Jesus talked a lot, a lot, a whole lot about the kingdom of God. And he said, seek ye first what? The kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you you see Jesus knew that righteousness was about right relationships first a right relationship with God and a right relationship with yourself and a right relationship with others and if we have this kind of righteousness in our right relationships then everything else seems to fall into place Jesus said you put God first and you put the things of God first then then this kingdom will be pervasive it will will become involved in all that you are about including your patriotism 
And I think that tells us something important about patriotism. And it brings me to the first thing that I want to say today. And, you know, I'm just going to say two things today. I don't think you could take three. It's just going to be two. But I want to say first, we love our nation best when we make it less important than our love for the kingdom of God and the highest values that God has for us. Did you hear me? We love our nation best when we love our nation less than those things of the kingdom of God. You know, perhaps the most dangerous thing we could do in the name of patriotism is to make our nation itself the highest value an end in itself. You know, rightly understood, a nation is not an ideal to be served. Rather, a nation is an organizational means by which a group of people may serve the common ideal. Therefore, the person who loves his or her nation best is that person who insists that her or his nation be faithful to the best of what God would set forth for us. Now, now I need to say this morning that it was not our, our founder's intention that our nation be a Christian nation because they felt it very important that everyone have freedom of religion. But there is no question that the founders of our nation developed the values of this nation and our ideals based on the Bible and the kingdom of God. Now what I'm talking about is utterly biblical this morning. In fact, our founders took their ideals, their marching orders, straight from the Bible. Now, the founders of the republic did not organize a government and then try to decide what kind of government it would be and what we would do to uplift our values. No. The government didn't come first. The values and the ideals and the principles came first. And after deciding upon these things, they set up a government that would continue to uplift these things. The values, the ideals that were really based on God's word. So let's listen on this Labor Day weekend, this patriotic holiday to the Declaration of Independence. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men... I'm going to say people, are created equal. That they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. That among these are life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness. That to secure these rights, governments are instituted among people deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. That whenever any form of government becomes destructive to these ideas, 
it is the right of the people to alter or abolish it and to institute new government. Laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. It is so clear that these ideals that, that we formed our government to uphold are superior to the government itself. You know, there's a guy named uh, Arnold Toynbee, a respected historian, who said that nations, cultures, and empires are never destroyed from the outside, but destroy themselves. Their self-destruction is always due to defects of character. Now he's suggesting that the future of this or any nation is utterly dependent upon the nation's character. It is dependent upon the values that we decide to pursue together. Now, now we know that, that, that we can pursue these values and uplift these values and because it's not the values that divide us, it's how we get there, right? That's why we have political parties that have differing opinions on how you get there. But the uniting factor should be those values, those principles for which we stand. One nation under God. Not divided. And liberty and justice is for all. You know, we say the Pledge of Allegiance, the noble ideals that we lift when we salute our flag, that we are one nation. What? Under God. Indivisible, with liberty and justice for some. I mean, for all. And of course, every nation is under God's providence and God's judgment. Every nation doesn't know it, but they are. There's not a nation that's not under God. They may not accept that they're under God, but they are. Every nation is under God's providence and under God's judgment. And, and what makes this nation a great nation is that at our best, we understand that. We understand that our greatness is not of our own making, but of, of God's making through us when we get things in proper perspective, when we uplift the things that bring life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness. You know, we love our nation best when we insist that that's the way it should be. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And God's, not yours or not my righteousness, but God's righteousness that is higher than your righteousness or mine. Now the second and last thing I want to say. I want to say that if we want to love our nation in wise and helpful ways, we must strike a good balance between appreciation and criticism. John Gardner has pointed out that there are two groups of citizens who are dangerous. 
There are unloving critics and there are uncritical lovers. And our nation deserves better than either. Do you hear that? The dangerous citizens are the unloving critics and the uncritical lovers. We deserve better. I don't know about you, but I do not appreciate those people who criticize our nation with a sneer. Nor do I appreciate those persons who pretend to be above it all and talk in terms of the nation as us and them. It is true that if we love our nation, we must be critical when we are less than the best that we are called to be. I don't know where we got the idea that to be patriotic, we must always affirm and never criticize our nation. The fact is that I don't know of anything more unpatriotic that we can do than to accept blindly and blandly whatever happens. Now, I'm talking to us Christians right now. We Christians, we United Methodist Christians and our guests who are here today. We citizens that should get this issue about righteousness. We should center in on those values. We do, we, we do want to be a nation where prophets don't trump all other values. Do we want to be a society in which getting mine is all that counts? Do we want to be a country where security is more important than morality? Do we want to be a nation that winks at, at kickbacks or corruption? Do we want to be a culture where, where values are so distorted that we lose the sight of the importance of people? Do we want to be a country that, that, that pays dearly our entertainers and our, and our ball players and doesn't pay nearly enough to teachers and nurses and resent the minimum wage? These are things that I think at our best we ponder, no matter what party. We we ponder these things because we need to be driven in our politics by a patriotism that is set at a higher level that does cause us to come together even though politically we have differing opinions. Well, I'll admit that you know all of the attention to John McCain and his service to our country this week, this past week, has influenced me. I googled John McCain and there are so many stories about Senator McCain. A lot of them are Christmas stories, so I'll share another one or two at Christmas, but this one was striking to me. It too happened around the Christmas time, but he he said that He he was in his dark cell one night and and a guard came in. And he was tethered with tight ropes around his hands and his feet, his ankles. And this guard loosened those bonds. 
didn't say a word, and, and left the cell. And before morning, the same guard came into the room and he tightened them up again so that, as John McCain put it, so that those who were less humanitarian would not discover what the guard had done. He said he continued to do this. And he said it was Christmas Day when they were all out in the yard of this prison, the Hanoi Hilton, And he said, this guard came beside me and stood beside me. And with his sandal in the sand, he made the sign of a cross. And we just stood there. Not not saying a word. And, And after a minute or two, he said the guard took his sandal and he just erased the cross. And he slipped away. He said it was the greatest Christmas present I'd ever received. Because though we were in the midst of war, though I was a prisoner, he was a guard. There was something higher that brought us together. Something higher that led to a concern for the other that you could understand across nationalistic divides. I close. The Frenchman named de Tocqueville a hundred years ago said this. I sought for the greatness of America in her harbors and rivers and fertile fields and in her mines and commerce. It was not there. Not until I went into the churches and I heard her pulpits aflame with righteousness did I understand the greatness of her power. America is great because she is good. And if America ever ceases to be good, America will cease to be great. Amen.